Welcome back, Brady Farkas Show, right here on a Thursday, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Joining us as he does every Thursday, our guy from WBZ News Radio in Boston, Adam Kaufman. Adam, how are you? I just watched the new Mortal Kombat trailer. I'm feeling great, energized. <laughs> well, maybe you're feeling more energized about that, and that's good to take you away from what we've seen from the Celtics recently, <laughs> who have just been a complete dumpster fire. But you know what? Yeah. I want to be horrified, and I want to rip them, but I feel like I can't because they never play together. Their number one team is never out on the floor together. The record is disappointing, but can you fairly judge this team at this point? I think it's difficult, and I think that's at the same time an excuse, right? And and we're all prone to it whenever we see something we don't like. We sort of forget that everybody else in the league is dealing with the same stuff, and we point to you know certain flaws and say, if this weren't the way, things would be better, and if not for all the injuries and COVID concerns and on and on and on. But you know what? I mean, how many teams have dealt with that? I mean, it, it's fair if you want to look, and I heard Danny Ainge say this earlier today, if you want to look at it and say this team's desired starting five coming into the year has only played 20 minutes together through 28 games, yeah, that's a problem. No question about it. Yeah. You know, the, the Kemba Walker obviously is, is not – fully back in the sense that, yes, he's healthy out on the floor, but, you know, he had all sorts of shooting issues and all throughout, you know, after the late start, even getting on the floor in the first place, the team is is just being, you know, extra careful with him, kind of keeping him in bubble wrap as far as not playing him in the back end of, of back-to-backs. And, you know, Daniel Tice has been hurt lately. Marcus Smart is out. He's, you know, the heart and soul of this team. Jason Tatum missed a handful of games with COVID admitted the other day. He's not fully back still. His breathing is all out of whack. Jalen Brown has missed minimal time. He's this team's leading scorer. There are, uh, you know, all sorts of different things you can point to, but you also can't ignore that defensively they've been a sieve. You know, they, they have, you know, they're lacking in effort. They're lacking in connectivity. They're lacking in, in, in just, I don't know, urgency and, and, and stick-to-itiveness and, and fortitude. They just, it, it looks like they don't care a lot of the time out there on that end of the floor. And it's, it's ugly to watch Jeff Teague, who I was so high on as an addition to this team as a veteran backup point guard has looked like trash. Tristan Thompson has only started to come on a little bit of late looked, you know, generally bad so far in his time in the Celtics uniform. Uh, I'd love to see, more from Robert Williams, who I love, yeah. and he, you know, coming into his own, but you know, maybe not developing at quite the rate that the organization would like to see in order to to fully maximize his skill set. Aaron Neesmith is, you know, obviously he's a rookie. I'm not calling him out, but he's only just starting. You know, you couldn't expect what Peyton Pritchard has done, Aaron Neesmith, to do that because you couldn't expect Pritchard to have done yeah. that. You know, Pritchard has been a bright spot. Neesmith, Neesmith is is slowly starting to come along a little bit now, but there are just there are aspects. Danny Ainge said. Our roster is not good. We are 14 and 14. That is who we are. And he took full blame for that. He said, it's not on Brad Stevens. It is on him. It is on the players. It is on the group that he has put together. Don't put it on Brad. And I think there are, you know, aspects of that that are certainly true, but there's no question. This team is not right now a championship contender after trips to the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the last four years. They are not meeting expectations. Jeff Teague's averaging five and a half points per game. Um, we speculated about it for a year and a half now, but if Isaiah Thomas plays well in these America Cup qualifiers this weekend, would you replace Jeff Teague with him and give IT a shot? No, because I, I just don't think it's that easy. I mean, you're not just going to 
cut Jeff Teague and sign Isaiah Thomas. You know, there are cap ramifications to that. Obviously, there are salary aspects that come into play here. So, um, I mean, even Isaiah Thomas tweeted recently after just, yeah. I, I think, kind of getting tired of people asking about it on Twitter for years at this point. He said, look, I mean, that, that, that I'm paraphrasing, but that that book is closed that, you know, that, that we've ended that chapter. I'm not going to be back in Boston. I've, I've given up basically yeah. on, on trying to make that happen. I mean, there's a reason the guy is out there, too. And and like you said, if he goes and performs well in this situation, maybe teams do look to him and, and give him some offers. And there's no question the Celtics need some offensive help. They need some more balance. They need some shooting help. It's why people are still some of them cling to this J.J. Redick idea. But there are. Yeah, I, I just don't think, especially, you know, I just finished ranting about how bad the defense has been. Isaiah Thomas is certainly not an answer on that end of the floor. Adam Coffin, WBZ News Radio in Boston with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. All right, Celtics aren't leaving much room for optimism right now. And what is optimistic, though, is that the Red Sox are on the backfields at Fort Myers today. Spring training has started. And look, mm-hmm. I don't think the Red Sox are going to be particularly good this year. But that said, they were given a 47% chance to make the playoffs, which is sixth best in the American League. So do you think the Red Sox have a chance to be competitive this year? Competitive, sure. Playoff team, I feel like a lot of things need to break right. And, uh, you know, to kind of circle it back to the Celtics, that sort of starts with health, right? I mean, there were a lot of guys that underperformed last year, no doubt about it. I mean, almost everyone on that team had a career worst season. It was just, and I guess if there's a good time to do it, it's during a pandemic year. Um, and, and I don't know, it was kind of similar to the 2019 campaign in that respect. And that was obviously over a full year. It was like everything that could have gone right in 2018 did and everything that could have gone poorly in 2019 did. But I I think that, you know, if Chris Sale comes back midway through the year and looks like his old self, that's a huge bonus. If Eduardo Rodriguez, who didn't play last year because of the coronavirus and my, you know, my, uh, myocarditis, myocarditis. Thank you. (laughs) If he comes back and he's healthy, um, you know, and, and performs anything like the ace that he was the year prior, then that's significant. If some of these off season additions, you know, free agent pitchers are above average, you know, and I'm not talking stellar, I'm not talking ace material, but if they give you ERAs in the high threes, low fours, you know, that's going to go a long way. If some of these relievers pan out, that's going to go a long way. If, you know, if if uh, Ranchy Cordero can stay on the field and lives up to a fraction of the promise that everyone wants to attach to his name and, and potential, then again, you know, a big upswing. I, I just think that right now, if we're looking at it and saying, who are these Red Sox right now with start of spring training and the clear inability to answer all those questions we just posed, they're perfectly mediocre. Right. They're a I don't think they're a bad team. I don't think they're a a good team. I think they're, you know, a team that wins between 80 and 85 games. They're they're you know, and that's, you know, over the course of a full season. If, in fact, we get a full season, they are perfectly mediocre. And, you know, things absolutely could go well enough to vault them into being a a 90 win team and, and maybe a wild card team. But they could also win 75 games or 70 games and we just don't know which way this thing is going to break yeah I think they're a 78 win team I think they hang tough for the first half and then all these guys you just kind of mentioned they're on one-year deals they're going to get traded for prospects and the second half is going to a whole lot uglier than the first half that's just kind of how I how I think this season is going to go for the Sox uh the team that had an ugly season last year was the Patriots at seven and nine Friend Great. of the show, Field Yates, says Marcus Mariota is the quarterback in 2021. That doesn't excite me in the slightest. What do you? Hmm. What does it do for you? 
It depends who we're comparing him to, right? <laughs> if we're comparing him to Jared Stidham or Cam Newton coming back, then yeah, I'm in. Bring in Marcus <laughs> Mariota. If you know, if, uh, I think between Mariota and Garoppolo, if we're to presume Jimmy Garoppolo is in fact available, we don't really know. We're just speculating that he is. I'd rather have Garoppolo. He's at least you know, proven within the system um, and, and already has that instant rapport with Bill Belichick. I think a lot of people are sort of running with one good game from Marcus Mariota last year and assuming that he's just back and he's back into not just back, but back to, to the good Marcus Mariota of Tennessee versus the bad Marcus Mariota of Tennessee that got him shipped out of there in the first place. So uh, I wouldn't say it excites me. I just think it's better than what we watched last year. Um, you know, I, I never really thought Carson Wentz was coming to New England, and now we know he's not. He's been yeah. traded from Philadelphia to Indianapolis. We know Matt Stafford is not going to happen. He's a Ram now. We know Jared Goff, if you wanted him, is not going to happen. He's a Lion now. And so there, I think we're just we're, we're sort of at the start, really, of this QB movement of what is, we've talked about it in the past, a fascinating offseason ahead here in the NFL. Now, I don't think Russell Westbrook's uh, or Westbrook. I keep always do that. I don't think Russell Wilson is going to move. Uh, Russell Westbrook, he moves nonstop. I don't think that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to move. Um, I'm honestly starting to think a little less that Deshaun Watson is going to move, but even if he does, he's not coming to the Patriots. He's, you know, a jet or a dolphin or a, you know, Panther that's out there now. I, I don't know, but I, I'm, I don't know. I'm starting to lean more toward him being back in, in Houston anyhow, but there the question, I guess, and, and I'm rambling here, but the question is like, who does excite you, right? Like does Andy Dalton excite you? Does Jameis Winston excite you? Does, does Mariota excite you? Does you know, like, who are these guys out there that, you know, does Jacoby Brissett excite you? Like I, there's nobody exciting that realistically is going to land New England next year. I don't think. Who excites me as a draft prospect? Trading up in the draft, getting into the top 10, drafting sure. somebody and getting a young, inexpensive quarterback. And if we're going to bring in a retread, somebody that you're going to sign on the cheap rather than give up an asset for. It's not that I hate Mariota. I hate the idea of giving up something for Mariota and paying him $11 million. If he was cut and the Pats could get him for four, I'd feel a lot differently. Sure. Yeah, I mean, percentage of cap, I don't think – his 10, 11 million bucks is a big deal. And, you know, obviously up to 20 million, but that's money, that's cash, it's not cap. So that's not as relevant. You know, it's just Robert Kraft's wallet at that <laughs> point in time. But um, yeah, I, I, I hear you. It's, it, it becomes a, it's, for me, it's less about the money. The Patriots have plenty of money. I mean, they could have made the, the deal for Carson Wentz if they wanted to. Yeah. Clearly, they just don't value him at that salary. You know, Mike Reese wrote about that earlier, but it, it sort of comes back to what do you have to give up? What what kind of compensation does does a Marcus Mariota, if that's your guy, what what is he going to require? Or more accurately, what are the Raiders going to require for him? Let me get you out of here on this quickly. Um, and this may not be in your wheelhouse, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Tonight, we're all pumped up here locally because University of Vermont men's basketball is on national television. They're taking on UMBC, winner of the, uh, you know, winner. If, this, if UVM can sweep this week and they're going to be the top seed in the America East tournament. Head coach John Becker has stayed here for a while at UVM, and he's the most winning coach in New England over the last decade. The Boston College job has now opened up there. Um, Yes, it's an ACC school. Yes, it has ACC resources and can pay him a better salary than here. Is that viewed as a good job? They should call him should he listen. So 
you're right first and foremost that it's really not my wheelhouse but uh just to you know attempt to weigh in on it i i still think that boston college is a desirable job depending on where you're coming from right it's a yeah. stepping stone job and and you might view it as a good job coming from vermont you wouldn't view it as a good job coming from you know north Duke. carolina <laughs> you know or, or even like ucla probably um but it's it's still it's it's one of those things where like if you can be the guy that puts boston college back on the map and when i say on the map i'm not talking about being even the top 25 team in the country i'm talking about just getting into the tournament yeah. and you know being relevant being in the dance you know winning uh or not winning the acc but like having a long run in the acc tournament or something like that you know you're that goes a long way for for you as a as a head coach to get that next gig at at a you know more prominent basketball school. So it, I mean, make no mistake, Boston College is a stepping stone job right now. But I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a bad job. I think it's a job that you know needs the right guy to recruit the right guys and and have a successful season. And they just you know Jim Christian obviously wasn't the guy, and and there may or may not have been some off court issues there as well. But they, you know, he was there for what six, seven years, and yeah. just you know, a, a a big losing record. It was like seventy eight and I don't know one twenty, one forty, whatever it was. That it wasn't good. And so um, I don't know. I, I don't know who the right guy is. I wouldn't pretend to know, but clearly that's a, it's a program that feels like it's still a little ways off. Adam Kaufman, WBZ News Radio in Boston, with us every Thursday at this time. Adam, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks as always. And oh, by the way, the Bruins are in first place. The Bruins are in first place, but uh, <laughs> when I'm a one-man band, I don't have to talk about hockey all the time. So there you Adam, go. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. Catch you soon.